Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Corner, the official podcast of PitcherList.com. I'm your host, Eric Samolski, joined, as always, by the lion himself, Nick Pollock. What is happening? Yeah, we're getting into like the real part of your draft that you're like, wait a second. This actually might be where I can find some really good value, and uh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm excited about this this grouping because there's a point in the draft where you're like, ew, gross, and then you think, maybe I'll just skip ahead to guys who are going later in ADP, and some of them are here where you're like, yeah, I'd just rather take this guy. I don't care that his ADP right. is a right. little bit later. He's more interesting. Um, we are covering starting pitchers 61 to 80 today. Um, so if you're just jumping in right now, we have already talked about 60 starting pitchers. Um, so have. you should make sure to check out those episodes um, to kind of get a sense of where we are. You can also check out Nick's uh, full 400 um, over at pitcherlist.com. You can just read through um, where we're at right now. Uh, also, please make sure he wrote it in the article, but I'll just use this opportunity to also soapbox for him too. But like, please make sure you read the ranking philosophy. Um, Nick and I have talked a lot about this, right? The, the the rankings are kind of designed more towards like 12 team leagues. So it's a little bit different in terms of how they're, they're ranked. Um, he had a whole write up on how he ranks and ranking philosophy behind it. Uh, so make sure you check that out too. So you're not just like picking out a number and, trying to complain about a number thank you i appreciate that there's a lot of you understanding like the whole point of writing these blurbs too as eric will attest to is i don't know you guys can just understand my thought process of it and if you disagree with my thought process great then you can make yourself a ranking that you like like that's what's important here so uh, i've always hope you guys enjoyed it yeah i've long been a believer and i think nick and i are on the same page which is why it works of like hearing somebody's thought process can crystallize your own and it doesn't have to be Mm. about you convincing somebody to believe what you believe. Right. But more just like using that as a discussion to help solidify your own thoughts or help you kind of like, or help that person solidify their thoughts. It's really weird what we do. You know, it's like, we are actually, it's so strange to me considering I don't, I guess I have like a theoretical ethereal projection in my head or whatever, but it's just more of just a general amalgamation in my head I'm like yeah this is the kind of thing that this guy is you yeah. know and yet we kind of all arrive at the same things like i did mine without knowing what adp was uh right. and it's kind of yeah. crazy how like this stuff mirrors adp a ton i've tried not to look at adp because i think it it can sway where i'm going in some things where i'm yeah. like oh no i can't i can't rank this guy right here um and yeah i, I at one point i tried like you know, putting the ATC projections into like an SGP sheet and then modifying the pitcher things based on how I, th- and I just like, it's too, <laughs> too hard. Like, I, yeah. I don't know that I could pinpoint an exact 3.43 ERA for a pitcher, but I know the type of pitcher he is and I know right. the type of stats I believe he'll give you. Yeah. And it's funny. I actually did my own just whatever. He should be this uh, projection, I think, entering 2020. Um, I think that was the year that I started to do Nick's reluctant projections is what I called them. It wasn't actual projections. It was just like Nick's. I remember, I remember you doing this. Yeah. And like, Oh, really? Well, that's so touchy. <laughs> and like, um, you know, also, also like a uh, fir tree, um, we'll quote all the time that I also came up with an individualized nickname for every single player. Um, that I don't remember. Uh, and it was, uh, and I called like Verlander, not varsity. Cause he's JV. Um, for example, <laughs> And like I had to do something for everybody, okay, guys. 
Um, but he'll remember these. But anyway, that was back in the day. And it's like, yeah, I guess I could sometimes just sit down and be like, that is what I think is a reasonable projection for them. But especially now, 61 through 80, throw the projections out the window, y'all. Mm-hmm. If you're settling for projections at this point in your 12-teamer, you're doing it wrong because what should you be chasing most of all right now, Eric? Upside. Yes. The highest peaks and the ones that you know. Oh, gosh. You know if you have it or not. If you don't know what you have, I don't want them. And it's why one of these rankings, I'm actually really surprised that I have not seen a single tweet or anything. I feel like people just stopped reading by now. Like I wrote like 75,000 words or something stupid. So they haven't read up to the 60s yet or 70s yet to yell at me. There's one guy who's like, I'm, I know I'm the low man on just because I don't want to deal with this. I don't know what we're going to get. I think you know who that man is. There's also one guy who we'll talk about today who I think you're the high man on. Probably. Maybe two, actually. I'm sure many. We'll see. Um, but we're going to dive in with starting pitcher number 61, who is the last pitcher in tier number eight. So mm-hmm. as a reminder um, from the last episode, tier number eight begins with starting pitcher number 50, Carlos Rodon. Uh, 51, Nathan Eovaldi, 52, Gavin Williams, 53, Christian Javier, veteran Christian Javier, 54, Ryan Pepio, 55, Cutter Crawford, 56, Louis Varland, 57, Bryce Miller, 58, Yusei Kikuchi, 59, Luis Severino, 60, Lucas Giolito, and 61, Hunter Brown. Um, Our categories for today are ways to stay warm, which I no, you didn't know I was going to say. Um, <laughs> so we no just idea. got one, right. yeah, just got one guy here, but you can use this mm. whole tier if you want. What, what way to well, stay warm is this? So and why is this, Hunter Brown in this tier? Yeah, the theme of this tier is $100 at the mall, right? So that means you, you're going to be lavish. You're going out there and like, okay, this is your, I'm freezing, so I'm going to spend $7 on a, a cup of hot chocolate. Oh, I thought you were going like I'm sitting in a sauna. Like I don't know. No, no, you're at the mall. You know, I'm not I don't go to the mall and just hang out and like I'm gonna go to the sauna now. I'm not prepared for this. Sure, I guess if you're at the mall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Then you got the kiosk It's like, hey, seven dollar hot chocolate. No, it's gonna get that. I'm freezing. Okay. I'm getting the seven dollar hot chocolate. You know, I might regret it later. But you know what? It was really good. Is that drafting Hunter Brown for you? You might regret it later. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh I still go back and forth on how good his four seamer is. Mm-hmm. I want it to be great. It's just, I mean, extension's pretty good. It's close to seven feet. We'll take this. Um, Vert is 16, like on the dot. And then the VAA is like average, if not slightly below average. So uh, it's actually kind of not great. So it's, it makes me think like, okay, is he going to do like place now blueprint stuff of going upstairs with four seamers? Is he going to be the low guy? Like, I think as the season went on with Brown, he started to understand, cool, I am going to throw high four-seamers. I'm going to try and throw the curve and slide her down. Um, I don't think he has the best command yet. And I also think that he got uh, tired and fatigued. And I think it's actually come out to be said, yeah, Hunter Brown was fatigued mm-hmm. um, by the end of the year. And that makes a lot of sense in my view. Uh, I, I think the strike rate isn't quite high enough on that curveball yet. and makes too many mistakes with it. Um, I can actually say that now with clarity considering he has 11 percent mistake rate on that when the, the average is seven percent so i see hunter brown as someone that still has things to improve upon however 
Hunter Brown is still really good. And it's the Astros who are going to continue to let him develop. Like what he was last year. Is it so wrong to imagine that he's going to be just a little bit better with another year of experience? I think that's what we should be anticipating. And that's pretty cool for his situation being in Houston, considering he had a 27% K rate last year. So I'm, I kind of want to be in. I also realize that I don't, I don't quite know like how the whole thing comes together quite yet. So that mystery is why I'm not in as much as say like Varland or with Pepio because I can totally get that. But he's inside that hundred dollars of the mall tier still. Yeah, um, I had him on a couple teams, and so I knew that he started out the year well and because i felt every start at the at the end of how bad it was um with you know a 657 oh that sorry that's jp france 657 era after the the all-star break um hunter brown was a seven era over his final 16 starts but i um heard eno saris talking about this article on the athletic by chandler rome um and it had some really interesting quotes from hunter brown who as you mentioned from with fatigue specifically said i think some things in my mechanics change probably due to fatigue without me even realizing it um mm. and he suggests that uh he noticed the differences in his mechanics after a thorough review with houston's pitching coaches after the season he admitted to doing the thing that nick hates so much he said i was getting a little bit more crossfire yeah which diminished my ability to get the fastball away to right-handed hitters especially and leaving it more arm side Righties in particular were able to do more damage on my harder fastball and cutter because it wasn't I wasn't getting it extension side due to those mechanics. Um, so like, I, he was good in the first half of the year. Like I, I think we need to identify that, and I think he has. Listen, maybe he overperformed. I don't. I don't know, but he has specifically said that what plagued him in the second half of the year he threw 50 more innings than he ever had before that's a lot yeah. of innings um and these are innings where like i'm sure he was cruising through some minor league starts because he's a very talented pitcher and he probably faced some lineups that weren't really stacked and so not every start was a grind in the minors mm-hmm. but I th- in the same way that every start in the majors can be a grind um and i trust that organization they did a very clear obviously they did a very good job of going through all of his starts to kind of identify the things that were weaknesses um and so if you have a talented pitcher who struggles because of fixable reasons that he has identified why not assume that he will fix those at least to a certain degree yeah um so yeah i i mean i have hunter brown in my rankings 45 um I have him higher than a lot of the guys you mentioned last week, but again, he's in a tier with them. So it's not crazy, you know, to think that he might be over some of the guys you have 52 or 53. Cause again, they're, they're grouped together in a sense. Right. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't give up on him if people are, um, thinking about giving up on him. Uh, yeah, I think that Hunter Brown could surprise a lot of us. And, uh, again, the struggle is I don't know how soon I'm going to be able to make a decision on him, but sure. I think I'll be able to make a better one on him than others. We'll see. Yeah, I think you also like, especially you, 
who is very attuned to mechanics. Um, I think if he's suggesting that a mechanical issue uh, was part of the reason he struggled, mm-hmm. like especially with something like a crossfire delivery, that's a little bit easier to identify. Absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, that's so just general fatigue to, to me. Um, it wasn't like Hunter Brown was like a two five ERA though before it. It was like a four um, through his first like, couple months. You know, it wasn't the most overwhelming guy ever. Uh, so. I'm not, you know, there, there's still more to tweak than just saying, oh, he was fatigued in my view. And that's why I have sure. this hesitation. But yeah, I'm absolutely with you that like the cross firing stuff that, I mean, when you hear fatigue, to me, that's always lower arm slot. Like it's a uh, lower arm slot. The arm is lagging more. And that doesn't surprise me at all. That means he's you know struggling a lot with just locations and executing everything you want to those mechanics. More crossfire makes sense because you're trying to sling it and force it in a way that is less, you know, it's the way we cheat as pitchers is we sling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some of us just get away doing that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he also was 24 years old last year. And yeah. look at, if you look at his pitch, he made just Christian Javier, right? I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Better in Christian Javier. No, obviously. If you look at his pitch mix and his pitch usage, you can see that like he was tinkering with stuff during the year. It's still a young pitcher trying to figure out what is working for him on top of, all the other things we discussed right. with fatigue. Right. Um, we're going to move into the next tier, which is tier nine. Tier, and I know you did this intentionally. Tier nine, this is fine. I certainly did not, uh, honestly. 100%. Like, I, I, no, it really, you'll, it you'll just, never convince me you didn't do that. I, I it might have been subconscious. No, I mean, this is what I always say about Toby's. I'm like, it's fine. This is fine. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, get, I, I think you. I think you knew what you were doing. Um, so it starts with starting pitcher number sixty-two, Aaron Zavali. Number sixty-three, Shane Bieber. Number sixty-four, Marcus Stroman. Sixty-five, Brandon Fott. And sixty-six, Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, what way to stay warm is this? And why? This is socks. It's like sometimes, hmm. like this. I have, a, I have this issue. My feet get more cold than like the rest of my body more, and like I need to just be working and. I have to put on socks inside this room. Actually, right now, I wish I had socks on <laughs> and I don't. And it's like, this is fine. This is a solution. It'll be okay. I'm not excited about it. I'm not thrilled, but like it will get the job done. And that's, you know, it sucks. A great holiday gift. Socks. Always. You know, I I, I, I'm, I knew I became an adult when I appreciated getting socks. <laughs> I do also. I, I have started to be like, these are good socks versus these are just socks. Right, I can identify the difference now, <laughs> um, and I feel that a little bit about. Uh, I think Shane Bieber's good socks. Um, mm. So we need to talk about the obvious development that we hint that we actually discussed a little bit on the last um, episode, and I think yeah. we've talked about this a few times. Um, obviously, there's the driveline videos that are circulating of Shane Bieber throwing 93, um, and we know that velocity is really important to him. Velocity has been uh, highly correlated to his success. Um, and part of what happened as he lost velocity was that he started to become more of this cutter heavy pitcher. Um, and so Shane Bieber adding that cutter and these other changes to his approach, but also throwing 93 would be a significant development. Um, and I guess my question to you, obviously you did this ranking before that. So you have some general, um, thoughts on on Bieber as a as this version of him as a pitcher but at what point would you start to actually believe that there might be some validity to the velocity gains I don't know uh, I mean I think in spring training if he said anything then okay 
Uh, and and I, would that I, make a material difference to you? It it might, yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool to see a thirty percent called strike rate last year in his four seamer, and actually, I think that pitch got hit a bit harder than we want because of the velocity. Absolutely, uh, but I will actually mention. You know, get this in two thousand twenty, two thousand twenty one. I uh, in two thousand twenty two all had worse ICR rates on his four seamer than in two thousand twenty three. And uh, that might be really shocking to everybody to hear. Uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't like it was bad. It was horrific. 53% ICR in 2020 and 50% in 2021, which is crazy, right? This is Jane Bieber. How did that happen? Well, remember the whole hard, hard, hard contact rate kind of thing? Um, my guess on that, I wish actually we were going to have it, I think in the next couple of weeks, the stat that I really want um, is ball and play percentage. And I, I imagine that Bieber didn't have as many balls in play uh, as, uh, you know, as, as the ICR would maybe showcase that it would be really, really damaging for Shane Bieber. Um, the swing strike rate on his four-seamer was just 3.5% last year. However, it was a 30% called strike rate. That's so good. It's so high. And I actually kind of like the shape of Bieber's fastball. It's he has, He's a stretch arm strong. So he's got it extension okay see i remembered it uh <laughs> yeah has solid vert he has decent vaa like a adjusted vaa um it all kind of makes sense to him to throw it either high or low honestly because when you have good vert um you're able to actually steal those called strikes low and actually wouldn't be against uh shane b we're not trying to really elevate it just like staying low in a way thing is last year he actually didn't really do that much he uh stayed middle away a ton with that four seamer and i think that hurt him a lot um but i also just not having the same slider and curveball of, of yesteryear i know there's a lot of focus on that four seamer and the results that come with it but keep in mind in 2021 when bieber was still phenomenal 33 percent k rate with sticky stuff and everything right i mm-hmm. uh, that was a 92.7 fastball it wasn't like the 93, 94, like that he needs to have like 2020 when that was just like his breakout, unbelievable, whatever season. Actually, really 2019, I take that back. But it was stupid good in that small sample, of course, of 2020. Um, but to me, it's, hey, that slider had an 18% swing strike rate la- uh, last year as opposed to the 25%. And the curveball, instead of being a 20 and a 22, was a 16%. That's That's the problem in my view. And he needs to get back to those. He threw more mistakes last year with, with the curveball. Mistake rate was far, far higher with the slider than in 2020, 2021. No sticky stuff. Wor- you know, worse slider and curveball. We know this about Shane Bieber. So those are the areas that I don't think the velocity will correct. Also allowed more damage on the cutter last year as well. There's... I don't know the idea that like Shane Bieber gets vaulted back to the 200 innings of 25% K rate to a ERA. If even if he is sitting 93, it's more about cool. Does that velocity also mean that he has more spin again on his slider and curveball and those become better uh, pitches just as far as his tall break goes? Cause there used to be 18 break pitches and now they're 17 um, with the curveball and like a little bit less with the, the slider. Like it's just not quite there. And uh, I'm a little worried about it. Yeah, I don't think that any material gains in velocity also make us think like, oh, this is old Shane Bieber. Like, we're going to rank him as a top 20 pitcher. Other things have changed, Mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned. Um, I wonder if we can name 
I was thinking, um, I don't know if you know, you know, Daryl Griffith, but we could call pitchers with good vert. We can call him Daryl Griffiths because he's tied uh, for the highest vertical leap ever in the NBA. They used to call him Dr. Duncanstein, which is just an incredible what? name. Yeah, Dr. Duncanstein. Um, he was a he was he played for the Jazz. He like won Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, he was yeah incredible dunker, and he had a great vert. So we could go with the Daryl Griffiths or the Duncansteins. Uh, we'll we'll figure it out. How do you bring basketball into this? You know, at least it's not football. But I mean, I, I dig. I dig. About, mind, I dig it. Duncansteins. Every cool. time you say vert, obviously, I think of vertical leap. Mm. You know, well, actually, someone told me like, "Hey, Nick, please don't call it IVB anymore. Call it Vert." I'm like, "Okay, I will listen to you." Okay. <laughs> important person, <laughs> important person. Hey, important person. I'll listen. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, Bieber's old teammate for a second because um, Aaron Savali, yeah, went to the Rays. Um, we talked last episode about uh, trends that you know certain teams like to employ with their starting pitchers. You might be shocked to find out that after Aaron Savali went to the Rays, his slider picked up an inch and a half of horizontal movement oh. um, and was about a mile and a half slower in velocity. So kind of started to gain more sweeper-ish movement profile. Um, obviously, Zach Eflin was throwing a sweeper with the Rays. So there is some thought that they may continue to tweak his slider. Um as the the offseason goes on, he only threw the pitch 5% of the time when he was with the Rays, but it had a huge bump and swing strike rate up to 13.4% over that stretch. Um, and again, as you know, it wasn't like he was with the Rays for a long period of time. So you're not going to see that type of change just click immediately. Right. They're clearly yep. working on something with him. But I'm, I'm a little bit intrigued by Aaron Savali with a slider that maybe is more geared towards swings and misses. Um, I think that's an interesting element to add to his arsenal. If it indeed is something we see in the spring. Um, well, you should absolutely be watching the interview I did with Aaron Sabali where he expressed I, like, yeah, this slider's working. This is something I haven't I gotten. I haven't gotten to that one yet. Um, yeah. These interviews are great by the way. Um, but I the, appreciate it. I just I break them. I have to break them up into. Like, oh, of course. This is like this is these are movies, um, you yeah. know. Like, <laughs> so I'm uh, uh, I'm not yeah. yet at the Savali episode. It's um yeah. This is season one, uh with with four <laughs> movies. All right, it's like a Black Mirror thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we talked for an hour Hopefully and a half. Slightly okay. more optimistic than Black. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Savali, we talked about that slider because I was very much like, hey man, this is pretty dang cool. Um, you have this cutter and curveball, which are already like the major things. And I'm also, you know, I, I talked to him a ton being like, your curveball is your best pitch, right? Like we can agree on this one. He goes, yeah, there are times that like it doesn't quite do what I want it to do. And, um, you know, he has a high mistake rate on it's like a 12% on um, this past year. And that makes sense. Um, and there's certain days like it's not quite as good. But uh, what I really like to hear is that slider being, yes, that is going to be more of a focus for him next year, which is great. Big fan of that. Um, this fastball and sinker combination. I love the fact that Savali does lean in on the sinker to right-handers. Um, a fair number uh, of, of pitches, right? Like that's how he uh, likes to attack more than the four-seamer. The four-seamer has a lot of vert, but terrible VAA because he's a super high release point. Um, not good extension. 
it, it's something that is safe to go upstairs and try and surprise guys, but honestly, not really that pitch that it needs to be. And for the most part, it's really just about the cutter and curve. And I often say like, hey, cool, I want to see like 65% uh, cutters and curves in a given game if possible. And I really think he does a great job of getting that curve, uh, that cutter outside and inside to lefties, uh, outside to righties, inside to lefties. And then, um, and it all kind of works. The biggest problem I see here is he does not have a good track record of health. Um, and I, I struggled with this because I kind of see this tier as the, all right, cool. You need innings. Here's some safe innings. Go and take it. Um, but Savali isn't quite that. And the good news is that it should just generally be productive. It's the raise. Um, it's a 23% K rate uh, that he had last year, which might get even better because of the slider. Um, the cutter is this good high pitch, I guess. It's a weird, he does the cannibal Mick Sanchez of the high cutters for strikes. Um, and then I, it should be a fine ERA and whip because it's the raise. So that's cool. But you can't be drafting this feeling like you've got this workhorse for the year at the end of your staff. And because right. of that, I'm less hesitant to chase it because you don't get the big needle push of other injured guys normally, right? We're talking about like Carlos Rodon or something. That's an easy drop or whatever once he gets hurt or something like that you move on. But the impact of it working is great. So yeah. it's not as big, so it's a little more concerning for me. But the quality is, you know, it's above average. Like he's better than the waiver wire when he's healthy. So sure. Here he is. Yeah, the injury the injury track record is something I um haven't put enough stock into. He's never thrown more than 124 innings in the major yeah. leagues. Um, you know, there's there's some definite concern there. Um, there are three more pitches in this tier, one of whom may not belong. Um, and we'll talk about that after this break. Uh, so the other three pitchers in this tier, which you suggested are kind of Tobies, are Marcus Stroman, Brandon Fott, and Eduardo Rodriguez. So I'm curious why we have a young pitcher like Brandon fought who had some helium. I know you and I both have a little hesitation on whether that helium was, you know, rightful or not, mm-hmm. but I'm curious why you, you've kind of already penciled him in as, as a Toby and not maybe in this next tier of like younger pitchers with potential upside. Do you not see that upside from fought? Okay. Um, I'm going to talk to Cal Bland about this. I, I imagine, I imagine sweepers are weird because we just introduced them. But there's no way, right, that he threw zero mistakes with it last year? That, that, that can't be right, right, Kyle? <laughs> like, there's no way. I'm trying to find another sweeper for me to verify that all mistakes. Okay, cool. All sweepers, mistake rates are not right, guys. So don't use them right now. I'll probably okay. get fixed by the time you hear this anyway. So who cares? Um, yeah, with Brandon Fought, I think that sweeper is incredibly legitimate. Um, low ICR rate to it. It is just constantly effective. 68% strike rate, 31, 32% ICR. Like this is a really good pitch. And the biggest question to me is, all right, how are you going to get out lefties? Um, I don't know if the four seamer is going to be the pitch. I mean, it's a 22% usage with this changeup. That's what he tries to do. It's not very good. <laughs> um, it's really detrimental to him a lot. I uh, really, really bad plus percentage. I never mentioned plus percentage, but hot dang under 50% is not what you want um, on a changeup. And also like a 67% ICR. So it's all about the four seamer. And he's a stretch arm star- strong, like 6.8 extension. Good, good, good. 
His height adjusted VA is good. 1.2 will take that. The IVB isn't. Um, he does not get vert on that four seamer. So I do wonder, okay, can he really be that amazing high four seamer guy? The extension isn't like seven five or something. It's not like the Zach Wither type of I mean, generally, if you give me the one of the three or two of the three of extension, vert and um high adjusted VAA, I want extension in the VAA. I don't actually care as much about the vert because with that VA and extension, you are just gonna destroy the top of the zone and that's fine. Um so I'm it's close, but it's also at like 93, 94. And I don't quite know if that is going to do enough. So against the lefties, for example, that four seamer for thought was 7% swing strike rate. Ugh. Um, I have some worries. Now here's the thing. It's the Diamondbacks. And that's a good defense. And mm-hmm. that sweeper can be pretty dang good. And there's also the ridiculousness in the beginning of the year of all those debuts he made against like the toughest offenses at the time, which was so yeah. dumb and drove me up the wall. And I'm going to also consider the fact that generally guys get a little bit better the second year. Should Fod have a 10.2 hit per nine? No, he won't. It will be much better than that. So I want to think that Fod is actually a relatively safe, like 23%-ish K-rate guy with a decent ERA and whip. Um, it's just that he doesn't really have such a high upside to me because of the limited aspects of his arsenal but he still should be beneficial to your team that's why he's in this tier yeah i i found some interesting things on him when i when i dug in first he he really likes his sinker because he thinks it sets up his sweeper more consistently because he believes the pitches tunnel well together Mm -hmm. um so it's like okay i Sure, the sinker itself isn't a great pitch, but if it's going to percent mistake, right? <laughs> if it's going to make your arsenal better, then like we can try to work with it. I also yeah. thought it was interesting that um, when they sent him down, they changed his position on the rubber. Um, and mm. so Brent Strom, the pitching coach, mentioned that they changed his uh, his position on the rubber so his pitches would catch less of the plate and give up less hard contact. Um, and it's like cool because that was what. Like their general manager basically had a quote about him at the beginning of the year that was like, yeah, he's going to give up home runs. Like he, he gives up hard contact. It's like part yeah. of what he does. And I was like, huh, that's like a weird thing to say about a 24 year old who's one of right. your top pitching prospects. Like, yeah, just expect him to give up home runs. Like, can't we do something about that? And, um, I, th- you know, obviously we know he pitched well in the postseason um, and it was only 22 innings. So we don't want to like extrapolate that out and say, oh, they made these changes. And he is now a low threes ERA pitcher who's going to strike out 30 percent of the hitters, whatever. But but it was an interesting thing to at least take note of that they made some changes. There was some success in the postseason. I agree with everything you said about the arsenal. And that's why I don't have him like super high. Um I have him 63, I think. What I, mean, I don't know what I thought. How do we do um, I have him 68. I have him 68. Um, you have him You five. have him 65. I have him 68. Oh, this is um, amazing. How do we do but, this? But it is just like, okay, here's a young pitcher, and maybe if these changes allow him to get to a slightly better version of the young pitcher we saw last year, then maybe he's a low four ERA pitcher with decent strikeouts. If if he doesn't even make massive changes to 
his approach to lefties and whatever. Right. Um, and so yeah, I'm a little run, more in than I thought I was. Yeah, the home run for five ball rate last year was 17.6, uh, two plus homer per nine. And that should come down. Obviously, again, the first half imploded that too. Right. Um, so that but mean, even in the postseason, it was one one point two three, which is and we'll take that all day. You will. Oh my you will. Gosh. But it's not like, but that and that was with him pitching at like yeah, level right. He's probably point. not going to. But if he's yeah. he might be a one five guy. Yeah, Homer per nine. Um, just to hit on the other two guys in this tier quickly, which I don't really think there's a ton to add here. Stroman to the Yankees is fine, honestly. Um, the thing about the Yankee Stadium is sure it is elevated when it comes to home runs a bit, but everything else is actually suppressing. And for a guy like Stroman, uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, it was a 0.59 homer per nine last year and very rarely just once. And it was 2022, 1.04 elevated homer per nine, even like bouncy ball days. He was still sub one. Um, obviously because of he's a sinker baller, we get this. Yankee defense is fine. It's not like something that is, oh no, it's the worst thing ever and this should be terrible. It's fine. So Stroman to me is kind of like, okay, he's going to get some wins. The whip might be a little too high because he's going to allow generally like an eight hit per nine. He's going to have like a walk rate around eight, nine percent or something like that. Maybe he comes down from nine percent last year. It, it, we're going to see like moments where he has a slider or his cutter or his curveball, you know, whatever it is. Sorry, sorry, the slider is a curveball. It's the same thing to me. We changed it apparently in between seasons for whatever reason. Um, sometimes a splitter shows up. Yay. Uh, it's just the sinker. Like, dude, do you have something else to pair with the sinker? You do. Awesome. It's a lively sinker. It's one of the, the better ones in this way, but I hate how reliant it is on it. It caps the ceiling, but he was in a really good groove before the hip injury. And that's, he should be all good to go now. So it's fine. You want some wins? Cool. Here you go. Yeah, not, not uh, exciting, but that's the point yeah. of a Toby. And and uh, yeah, and Eduardo Rodriguez, like, uh, I don't really believe it. You remember that ridiculous run that he had at the beginning yes. of the year? It yeah. was so dumb. And I was saying, please, for the love of God, guys, please trade high on this. Like, this is this is not going to stick around, and it didn't. Um, and he was pretty pedestrian, honestly. Outside of that, what was it, like a six start run where he had like two and runs, and that was it. Um, yeah, there's just not enough that's exciting. Honestly, with Eduardo Rodriguez, I, I don't really know what else to say. Like his four seamer is not really an elite pitch. His cutter, I'm glad got enough strikes that it did last uh, last year. Changeup can be great, and sometimes it's just not against uh, right-handers. And then sometimes he steals this sinker for uh, for called strikeouts, is what he actually likes to do at times, um, which I believe is pretty dang funny. Uh, but he has two strike rate last year on his sinker was 79%, 100th percentile of all sinkers hmm. because he's just trying to go inside a righties and steal the inside corner all of a sudden. Put away rate, sub 20%. <laughs> like, that's not good for your strikeout pitch, right? I mean, sure, the league average for a sinker is 16%, but no, you want to see, if you're going to do that, that often, it's got to be like a 24%. Um, so yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez to me, is in a good situation now because we've been talking about it with the Arizona defense and it's benefited them and he's well, you got some wins. You got hopefully a hipper nine under eight again like he did last year. But uh, yeah, I don't really want to chase this for the most part. I agree. You, I have him 77, so you're a little more forgiving of him it's, than I am. It's, it's just about the groupings. I almost I put him at exactly. the end of this yeah. one 
And I have like tier nine and I have tier 11 as like the Toby ones. That's what I traditionally do. I do a Toby tier, then I do a yes upside tier, I, then so on and so forth. I so. kind of found myself without even, it's just easier to do it that way. Like I found myself yeah, right? breaking it up in the same way when I started so doing the tiers, which is why I'm really excited to talk about this next tier because it has uh, some really intriguing names. Uh, this is tier 10. It's called, is this an ace? Um, starts with starting pitcher number 67, DL Hall, 68, Tristan, Tristan McKenzie, 69, Nick Lodolo, 70, Edward Cabrera, 71, Hunter Green, 72, Nestor Cortez Jr., 73, Aaron Ashby, 74, Kenta Maeda, 75, Emmett Sheehan, 76, Jordan Hicks, 77, Taj Bradley, 78, Mitch Keller, 79, Alec Manoa, and 88, J. Puck. Um, what way to stay warm is this tier? And why? I would say this is like the, the frosty campfire. Because Ooh. like, it should warm you, but like, is it enough? But, but it could burn you? And it can also burn you. That's good too. But like, you get your hands warm a little, but like, it's not always warm enough. <laughs> Sure, you know, and like you're still freezing out there, like as you sit because you want to sit right right next to the fire, smoking in your face. You know, it's not always the best method, but it could be exactly what you needed. Um, I I like that. It's very clever. Um, before we get to the really intriguing names on here, I I need you to I guess talk me down off of um, Kenta Maeda, who I currently have ranked fifty third. Yeah. Um. And Kenta Maeda obviously came back from injury last year, started a little bit slow um, in from June 1st on uh, that was 88 and a third innings, three, three, six ERA 1.09 whip 29% strikeout rate. Um, we know velocity is not going to pop. The splitter is still really good. Um, the four seam plays up against righties because he also throws a sinker against righties. So there's a little bit of like the added deception there. Um, he also throws a slider. He is a kind of another guy with a lot of pitches moving to a more pitcher friendly park. Am I, am I being too optimistic about Kenta Maeda? No, you're not. Um, I think it's one of those, it's, it's like a binary thing to me. Um, again, of like, is Kenta Maeda going to work or not? I don't really know. Um, I hope so. I'm glad he won on that really nice run. His four-seamer sinker are really hittable. Like, they're not good. Mm -hmm. So what happens is it's super reliant on the splitter and the slider. And actually, I think in general, it's more reliant on the slider. And we have certainly seen times where the slider just is not doing all the things that it needs to do. And in the past, if I look at the swing strike rates of uh, Kentameda's slider... I'm seeing things that are ridiculous, like 20% swing strike rates and all of that. And it comes back from Tommy John. And for the entire year, it's a 14%. I know it got better starting from June onward. Um, but it's not quite this like overwhelming, hey, I'm going to dominate with you um, slider that I kind of want it to be. The O-swing went down a bit too. Um, while the splitter, uh, the splitter's fine. Like, it can be really good. Sometimes it doesn't do enough when uh, he was cruising in the past. Like, we called it a changeup uh, back in the day. If you're curious, on our player page, it's like, this was a sub-30% ICR pitch. Last year, he's jumping to 37%. It was the same in 2021. I actually remember doing a wonderful weekend gif of me looking for Kenta Maeda's splitter. You know exactly what I'm talking about, him in the bleachers. And there, it's just a little too susceptible 
where I don't think that Kenta Maeda's slider and splitter are actually elite. And because of that, the four-seamer and sinker are so bad that this is too risky for me. At the same time, um, this could very well be like value in your pocket out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of why like he's still inside my top 80. Like He's someone that I think is going to... I don't know actually where he's going in drafts, but I assume like he's going in like 20th round or something. Like I'm so down to draft Kenta Maeda at the end, but like, yeah, sure, let's see what happens. Um, what I found is there are so many other guys that could like just soar. And I don't think that Kenta Maeda has the ceiling of old. And that's why I think I'm lower here on him. Uh, because I think he's really close to being like that, you know, he's had four year A's. I understand this the June onward way better. Um, I think I wrote that inside of I should have but I didn't. Um, you I must. I mean, you 20. must have. It's. It, it's. Right. I think it is a there that those stats are readily available. A lot he of people. Three thirty six ERA, one hundred nine yeah. WHIP, and ninety innings. Okay. Yeah. Splitter had a forty six percent O swing at that time. I. Uh, it's it's just one of those things of like those June twenty third, not twenty first. I I don't think it's gonna be like that again. And the other ones in this tier, DL Hall, Tristan McKenzie, Nick Lodolo, Edward Cabrera, I mean Hunter Green, Nestor Cortez, Aaron Ashby, these are guys like I feel more confident in their ceilings, and thus I put them higher. But sure. honestly, if you want to take Kenta Maeda, like I get it. That could very well work and be beneficial for you. I get that. In in thirty five drafts in February on the NFBC platform, he's going pick two hundred and fifty three. There you which go. is only five picks after your boy Christopher Sanchez. I think we know where you would go. If you have yeah, to. yeah, Christopher Sanchez is going to be good, guys. The sinker changeup mirroring is just amazing. But there, as you mentioned, there are some more exciting yes uh, pitchers in this tier, and we'll talk about those guys after the break. All right, so we could probably do a whole other hour on th- some of these pitchers, but um, <laughs> we're not going to. But uh, just. This is a choose your own adventure. Is is there a pitcher in this tier that you that excites you a little bit more than some of the others? Well, okay. So, what are the Brewers doing? Right, we got to establish this. We just got to know what we think is going to happen because there's Aaron Ashby and there's Neil Hall. Right? Do we think both of them start? I think they both get a chance to start because they both can start, provided that Joe Ross and uh, Colin Ray move to the bullpen. I hope um, so. There is also um, there is also some uh, disbelief from people who are are smart that Jacob Junis will actually start, even though he yeah, was right, right. Ostens- he ostensibly yeah. signed as a starter. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows what that means? I don't think you make Dio Hall the central piece of the Corbin Burns trade package and not right start him in the rotation that makes all the sense to me especially since the orioles said they wanted him they viewed him as a starter long term he views himself as a starter like it, he's not going to the bullpen right now so i i right. think he's a lock well i think he the plan is for him to be in the rotation and i would assume if healthy they're gonna give ashby a chance to to um beat out colin ray in a draft and hold format that I'm in, I, I took both Hall and Ashby, and I thought either they're going to compete for the spot and one of them is getting in or they're both getting in. But I, I like both of them a lot. Um, 
And I guess maybe I'm a little bit more intrigued by DL Hall because of this slider change in the middle of the year and the secondaries getting a little bit better. Um, but Dude, you're shaking your head like you're the wrong thing. Oh, yeah. Seven plus extension and absurdly good low release point. Like this is this is a four seamer that held a near 20% swing strike rate against lefties. And against righties was still like a 15%. But I, uh, yes, I oh. think for me, it was more the fastball when he <laughs> lost, when he lost the velocity on the fastball because he was dealing with the back injury last mm-hmm. year, he mentioned having to focus more on his secondary pitches. And I think that helped him. The secondary pitches yeah. made a real step forward. And then the fastball Absolutely. came back. And now you're like, oh, this is potentially the guy that. Nick said was going to be better than Mackenzie Gore. Yes, thank you. Oh man, is that cool, guys? Hi, here we are, four years later. <laughs> yeah, he's only twenty. He's only twenty-five. Uh, okay, but I mean, the real thing about the deal hall is command. Um, it was nice to see him have high strike rates last year on his fastball and his changeup. It was also nineteen innings, and I hope the changeup can have the same results of being a sixty-six percent strike rate against righties. That would be really cool. Um, also, his four-seamer against lefties apparently didn't make a single mistake. And that's also really cool. Um, now, the slider can be vicious. It also cannot be vicious. So I hope that he gets consistency on those. I also wonder how good the fastball is going to be once it loses a tick or two based on being in the rotation as opposed to the bullpen. I also know that the the Brewers are one of those clubs that say, hey... Let's not throw you six innings. Cool. Great. Thanks. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it might be a little more painful in the beginning um, for DL Hall, but hot dang, that is such a good heater. It, it, it is absurdly good. I wasn't even considering DL Hall in any way. I, didn't, I know the Orioles were saying, yeah, we're going to maybe test it out. I'm like, no, you have too many starters. That's not going to happen. But now he's with the Brewers. Oh, let's go. Let, let's just take the chance, make it happen, pop the cork finger, snapping, go with DL Hall. And this is why he's here, because it's at the point of draft. Look, if you want some safer things, fine. Just go get Marcus Stroman, go get Aaron Savali, whatever you want to do. But honestly, at this point, when we know he's on the rotation, if he's in the rotation, but it's confirmed that he is, he's up near like Gavin Williams. Like he's going over there, right? We don't know it yet. That's why he's down here. That's why he has to be at the top of this tier. Deal Hall, I'm in on. Aaron Ashby, I want to be in on. Mistake rate was so high on that sinker. Um, and it's very inconsistent, and it's just not the pitch he should be throwing against righties. Unfortunately, he doesn't have like a four-seamer that really cruises. Uh, I think he tried last year to start, or in 2022, I should say, to start trying to utilize a four-seamer and make that work, but he just couldn't, uh, I guess, find the time for it. Um, it was a little bit wild out of the zone, a bit like a sub-50% strike rate on it. Um, but Ashby, when he's cooking has this really aggressive sinker uh, that uh, gets just all the ground balls, but it went from 70% to 57% ground balls. Uh, The ICR went way up 12 points against right-handers in 2022 from 2021. And he was just a different guy. The ICR was like so good. It was like 70% against lefties. And then it was like 35%. Still good against lefties as it should, as he jammed them, but still not as good. My point of the matter is Aaron Ashby is still not harnessing all of it at least he wasn't in 2022 and the slider can be good the changeup can be good it's just what are we going to see 
um, from Ashby. I don't know. My, you know, everything I've seen is that he's throwing hard. There's some whispers of like, hey, Ashby's back up to his velocity, like 95, 96 easy right now. That's great. That's really good to hear for a guy that mm-hmm. was dealing with shoulder problems. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get. And I could absolutely see the Brewers saying, you know what? We've got Junis. We've got Ross. We've got Ray. Like, Ashby, you're coming back from this major injury. Let's slow you down. And and yeah. as we want to get Hall into this, let's just be a little bit more careful with Ashby. So I'm more out, I think, than I am with this ranking now. Like, I would have Kenta Maeda above, likely. If it does get confirmed that he's in the rotation, I would take that chance. But I, I think I'm... Yeah, I think I need to push him back to the end of this tier at this point because I think he just has a lot of questions with command um, that just makes me less hesitant to believe. I I have Hall in a higher tier for a lot of the same yeah. reasons. Um, I just believe, even though I don't think he's a sure thing, I think he is a surer thing to start in the rotation. And so I'd rather take my my gamble there. Um. So many names here. I know. Um, we're gonna, we'll speed run, but just uh, let's. We're gonna save. I want to save the surprise names for the end. Um, you know the guys like Manoa and Puck and and Jordan Hicks. Sure. We'll t- we'll talk through them. Um, we have talked about Edward Cabrera and Hunter Green yeah. and Tristan McKenzie a ton. Is there anything you feel like you need to kind of like? Yeah, I mean, if this is those? your first podcast listening to this off season. I understand, guys. Um, I mean. You know, there's so many of these that we put out. Um, quickly put, uh, Tristan McKenzie, honestly, I was really high on him in October because, look, 2022, he killed it, and we knew that he wouldn't be as good, and then just got hurt all of last year. So it's like, okay, we can just kind of hit the reset button. The worry that I have is that when he came back, he looked really lost. And uh, even though he has incredible vert on his four-seamer, I mean, it's like 98th percentile, like 19 inches worth. VAA is terrible. Um, and his extension is solid. So like near, you know, 6.8 and close to seven. So I think that's enough for this to still be an effective offering. Uh, it's just about cool. Is this curveball still going to be like a 65% strike rate pitch? And that slider, I, I just don't trust. It's so shotgun blast every single game and it drives me up the wall. Um, if he's going to throw four seamers upstairs effectively, um, it needs to be more than a 50% high lock in my view. And I kind of want to see it more like the uh, the 55 to 60. And that would actually make the tunneling of the curveball way better. So um, it could be there, but he could still be hurt. And I just don't quite know. But honestly, if he's looking good in the spring, I'm going to be shooting McKenzie really far up um, the rankings. And that's a good thing. And Nick Lodolo, we've talked about. Uh, not going to be nearly as unlucky as 2023. Him versus Hunter Green. I just think that Lodolo is a better command guy. And he has more to offer. He does a curve, four-seamer, and change. I think the changeup can get better. And uh, when it comes to Hunter Green, I just don't think that he has enough in the tank. As a, he's not a command guy. He's bad extension. Um, his four-seamer does not have good shape at all. Like, it's just not what you want, really. It's just velocity and then a slider that if he can throw for strikes, it's cool. But I'm going to he's going to drive me more nuts, I think, than Lodello, let alone the park factor. And then Edward Cabrera is like, he's so close. I know it sounds crazy saying that to a 15% walk guy, but the dude doesn't make mistakes. And uh, that's pretty cool. Like none of his pitches had like an 8% mistake rate. Um, He just needs to figure out how to throw four seamers for strikes more (laughs) and uh, maybe a few more changeups too, but he'll get there. I honestly think like this is, there could be such a big leap uh, for Eric Cabrera um, this year. 
Yeah, I, I am. Again, we've talked about these guys so much. I, I come down on kind of the same exact point where you are, where I'm a little bit more in on Lodolo and Cabrera because of past um, affection for them. And I'm, I'm willing to kind of like take this, the gamble again. Uh, Emma Sheehan right now is somebody that I am interested in. I um, have him ranked. Where did I put him? Um, I have Emma Sheehan 65th. You have him 75th. I'm potentially a little more optimistic, but we're splitting hairs here. He is currently slated to start the year in the rotation because Walker Bueller, it's been reported enough times that he's probably going to start the year on the IL or just be slow played at some point. He's not going to start right right away. Um, Some people were like, oh, the Dodgers signed Kershaw. But then Kershaw basically said he's hoping to be back at some point in July. Every report I've heard is like, this is way too optimistic that he's going to be like August. Like he should be out all next year. That was another thing was like, he had a shoulder capsule surgery. Um, It, he just had it in the off season. It might take a full year. Like nobody knows. So for me, it's like Sheehan's going to start the year in the rotation. Yes. Theoretically, when Bueller comes back, he could bump, Sheehan out of the rotation. That's assuming that when Bueller comes back, Paxton is still healthy, yeah. Glasnow is still healthy. They still want Yamamoto throwing as often as he's throwing. Um, so I, I, it would not surprise me at all if Emmett Sheehan found his way to 130, 140 innings for the Dodgers this year. No, 150. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I kind of. Like, I like what he does. It's not like Bobby Miller level of exciting to me. Um, but, you know, I, I'm i intrigued by it. I also like that he added this sweeper at the end of July. Um, it's eight miles an hour slower than his slider and has like 15 inches more horizontal movement. Um, and the results weren't great. But again, he introduced it at the end of July. And we talked about how like it takes some time. But I, I kind of like that as a potential feather in his cap next year. He's got that with a harder slider that he also uses. Um, the changeup is good to lefties. So I like that as something that he can fall back on. I, th- I think there's enough here that's like really intriguing to me. Yeah, I, with Emmett Sheehan, it's a situation of a really good fastball that has very flat and a really good extension. So he does throw it upstairs. It doesn't have the uh, the overwhelming swing strike rates that you would think. It's like twelve percent or so. And I, <laughs> uh, sorry, I was looking the wrong one. Yeah, it's sixty sixty six percent high lock, which is really high. So I am a little surprised. Like, wait, how are you only getting twelve percent swing strike rate against righties? Oh, because you're not good with the other things. Uh, and he's still developing on his slider and his changeup. Now I think with more time. Just 60 innings last year for Emma Sheehan, and he's had to go 60% four seamers thus far. I I think that machine can actually really rely on this more. And the situation for the Dodgers meant that he had like a seven hit per nine. Uh, that's really cool. A <laughs> seven hit per nine guy with a 10.5% walk rate, sure. That'll get better as a slider gets a little more refined. Maybe the sweeper gets some more strikes as well. Uh, maybe the changeup is a little bit better against lefties. That works. It really does. Uh, and we saw actually at the very end of the year, that machine have a 10 strikeout game in cores. And what happened? Uh, eight whiffs on the, on the slider, not on the sweeper, on the slider. 
that's amazing. That's like everything you want. 60% strike rate on that. Okay, cool. 73% on the changeup. How many walks do they have? Oh, zero. Like it's there. It's absolutely possible you could do this. Nick, the ne- the previous start was nine walks and four Ks. Uh, sorry, nine Ks and four walks. Shut up. Doesn't matter. There's a possibility. <laughs> the 10-0, right? So I'm going to take a chance on this. And this is very much, again, the uh, the tier of trying to go after guys that we want to make decisions on that we feel good about. And with Emmett Sheehan, I feel a little bit more comfortable than, say, Taj Bradley, who's two later, who I still just think is just not a command guy. And that drives me up the wall. Um, one guy we didn't talk about was Nestor Cortez, which is more binary again. I just don't think he's going to be healthy. And Nestor Cortez, when he's killing it, it's a really good four seamer. Like, really, this is such a flat one. It's so good. A lot of all the stuff you want. I just don't think he's going to be healthy. Um, but mm-hmm. if he's healthy, then that's great. And then we move him up the ranks and everything like that. Uh, but yeah, Jordan Hicks, Taj Bradley, Mitch Keller, Alec Manoa, yeah. AJ Puck. I feel like there's a little bit more haze about their success. Sure. And, and you, I think that you are one of the highest, or at least in terms of the rankings. Like a lot of people haven't really ranked. Jordan Hicks because the Giants say they're going to use him as a starter, but everybody goes, yeah, okay. Are you really right. Um, right. Alec Manoa? You know, I put him at a hundred because I was like, I know we're all willing to be like, he was garbage last year, but like he wasn't Doesn't before matter. then. You just and, see what, right. what happens, you know? Um, and AJ Puck is somebody who like, I actually will admit that I missed the news that they were going to stretch him out um, to be a starter again uh, until you had brought it up. And then it's like, so yeah, it's AJ Puck. Puck, I guess, versus Trevor Rogers for that fifth spot, and right, Trevor Rogers isn't isn't a lock. Um, and guess what? DL Hall and AJ Puck are like absurdly similar extension uh, stretch Armstrongs with really flat arm angles. And guess what? That four seamer had a seventy four percent strike rate last year with a fourteen percent overall swing strike rate. Like insanely good marks here. So, and it's a forty one percent sweeper that is solid too. Like. It's just about, okay, do you have uh, something else for righties? Um, instead of just being this absolute dominant lefty specialist. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm willing to take a shot on that and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, it didn't it didn't work. Health was obviously an issue in Oakland. Um, I did think that the bullpen was the right, was a good place for him. It may inevitably be the place for him, um, but worth shot. Exactly, um, it's it's certainly an organization would love to see the Marlins get the most out of Jesus Lazardo and AJ Puck uh, in their own <laughs> rotation would be quite a feat. Yeah, right. Um, um, the uh, the other one, I mean, just with Jordan Hicks. Uh, as I was say, talk a little bit about Jordan Hicks. Do you really yeah. believe that he's a starter? It's it's a case. I do. Um, okay. What the heck do the Giants have to lose? Honestly, I uh, is he going to throw one hundred as a starter? No. Uh, but believe it or not, that sinker, I know it's a low swing striker and everything. Stupid hard to hit 24% ICR. Like, just think about that for a second. He throws a pitch 64% of the time. That is a high strike, 66% strike rate and a 24% ICR. It's just so hard to hit. It moves a ton and it comes in super hard. Okay. So is that still going to hold at like 97 you know, because you really cannot assume he holds that velocity. Right. Um, I hope so. It, let's say it's a 30% ICR, right? It allows more hard contact with it. 
I mean, he had a sub 5% mistake rate on this thing. That's insane. Um, the only question to me, honestly, is what else does he have? And strike rates on the sweeper, on the slider, on the changeup, all bad. Like, bad. This is why he had 11% walk rate last year and then 13% before then, so on and so forth. The I, I think there's a an opportunity here for Hicks as he's really working on this. My understanding is that he's, I don't know, at one of the places. He's developing somewhere, like the actual mold of being a starter. And I don't think it's that far off. I mean, when you have that good of a fastball, regardless, sinker, four-seamer, doesn't matter. If it's a pitch you can throw for strikes that does not allow hard contact as much as it does with him, like it's so good in this way, then, yeah, uh, just throw another thing anything else for a strike kind of just works then right and uh i'd want to just at least see where it's going in the beginning just like take a chance at this i mean this is all for 12 teamers it's different for 15 you can't really afford it in a 15 teamer and i would change the ranks of all of these guys based on a 15 teamer if i just said hey all of these right this isn't just like take the entire group and push them behind the next tier they're ones that are going to go more innings than we expect. And it's not going to be as high of a ceiling. So Kenta Maeda gets pushed up a little bit, right? Uh, Emmett Sheen honestly would a bit more so than some others. I'd probably favor Hunter Green more because you need those strikeouts more. But like Jordan Hicks would fall down further. At the same time, like in a 12 team where it's like, yeah, Jordan Hicks could be like a massive impact play. And yeah. uh, all right, I want to take a chance on that. I, I get that. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I guess my initial thought is I view him in the way that they used Alex Wood a lot. Where like, if you look at Alex Wood's game log, it's oh, like, you're saying like the three inning games. Yeah, it's like two and two thirds, four, right. four, five innings, three and two thirds, two and a third, five. Yeah, innings, but four and uh, two thirds. Hicks and is like, so much better than Wood. Yeah, yes, but I'm just talking about in terms of. Hicks has yet to show the ability to remain healthy while throwing extended innings. Right. Right. Um, Obviously that's why he was moved to the bullpen to begin with. Um, And then weirdly like doesn't get the swinging strike rates that I think that he should get based on this stuff that he has, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like a 10.6% swing strike rate. Um, Not really good. No. Um, based on you're like throw a hundred and you're the one of the more gifable pitchers that's out yeah. there, but um, you know, but but again, worth a gamble in a twelve team because again, you're talking about these picks in twelve teams are guys where you say, um, you know, where you, <laughs> where you just say like we'll see if this sticks. I heard Eno on on one of the podcasts. I don't remember. Um, I think actually he was talking about um, about it on rates and barrels with with Derek Van Riper, but it's something that you have mentioned also is like, this is where you're at the end of the draft and you take maybe one or two more starting pitchers than you might normally want to keep on your roster. And you just, after the first couple of weeks of the season, see which guy stays and which guy doesn't. Yes. I actually emphasize this a ton. Um, first couple of weeks of the year, I'm very much more in starters than I am hitters. It shifts yes. normally around May. Um, something like oh. that where I say, cool. Uh, the, uh, like you will get more leaps in value, I think, in starting pitchers quicker. At least you'd be able to assess their value faster um, I, than hitters. I agree, and I think you you see the the huge fab guys in the first couple of weeks. Like 
there are sometimes hitters who go for a lot, but usually it's the starting pitcher who looks so yeah. dominant in the first start or two, and everybody's right. like, oh my God, this guy is totally different. And it takes a hitter two weeks, three weeks right. before somebody like really buys in. And I think that you, if you take an extra starter or two in your drafts and you know, see if that guy who breaks out is on your team, then awesome. You don't have to yeah. spend that money. And if you have a guy who then gets rocked in the first two starts and he looks terrible, well, by then you have a little better sense of like, okay, who's the hitter that looks more for real? And I'll just make that swap because I have other starting pitchers on my roster. I don't need to go starter for starter. And uh, I, that does remind me, I don't think in the last podcast that we talked about Yusei Kikuchi at, at all. We, and we did in the sense that I mentioned that I felt like his performance, I mentioned I didn't think he was as risky as some of the other guys in the tier because mm -hmm. his performance last year was backed up by the the curveball and the pitch mix change and he made legitimate um, changes that drove that You success. think Kikuchi's height adjusted VA is like absurd. It's 1.6, which is just what? That is so high in a good way and he has an extension near seven feet. And I see those two things and I just go, your vert's not even at 15. Normally, like I would think it would be lower. You're like, no, it's actually decent-ish. 15 is like average, a little slightly above average. This is a pitch made to absolutely dominate the top of the zone. And I've talked about it before. It used to be something that was not. Uh, we're talking like 36% high, like 39% in previous years. He did increase it to 46% last year and we got 12% swing strike rate. This should be like a 60% high lock pitch. Yusei Kikuchi's four-seamer. It will absolutely crush if it does. I mean, I cannot express this enough. This is such a good four-seamer shape. And it's coming in at 95. That, man, that, oh gosh, I know Kikuchi's thing is not command. I get this. But with a slider and curveball falling underneath, oh, there is such a ceiling here. Um, you that we can really see, and we saw even last year twenty six percent K rate, despite not having that overwhelming swing strike rate curve uh, fastball. Right, like there's so much fun potential in there. I am wish casting that Kikuchi's going to do this. He did increase it, but like he still got to get to like fifty five or sixty. But that's why he's in the top sixty. If you're curious about that, um, and uh, that's a good transition, I think, to another guy with a really good fastball. How do you feel, Eric, about Taj Bradley? Um, conflicted. <laughs> I, yep. I have him. Um, I have him seventy first. Um, and for me, that's like right around Garrett Whitlock, Nicoladolo. Uh, I want to trust the Rays. Um, I know that he flashed in certain starts last year like more particular when he first came up he flashed the ability to be a difference making uh major league pitcher but i don't know man like what i wrote is that he has a solid four seamer a cutter that flashed plus a potentially plus curveball he just couldn't command like literally any of those pitches with any sort of consistency. Yeah. So, you know, then you have also, like we talked about Shane Boz is coming back. You mentioned Zach Littell, who you hope doesn't get a rotation spot, but they might give it to him. And then Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen are coming back over the summer. 
um, and we feel better about them coming back than maybe like Lance McCullers and Luis Garcia when we talked about like the Astros in mm-hmm. terms of the likelihood. Um, so for me, it's just like I, I don't know how it shakes out. I, I'll take chances in some leagues because I do think that there's there's talent there. Um, right. But I I don't know when he gets the most out of it because it's not like they sent him down to the minors and he made meaningful changes and he came back and was a different pitcher like yeah i i still haven't seen those changes yet it's so weird about taj bradley like his four seamer it's funny like i remember saying last year oh man that's a stupid elite pitch and pretty much everyone who's smart saying it's elite pitch and i can see it thriving at the top of the zone it got a ton of whips early and i mean its best attribute is it's vert i mean it's 18 inches of vert right that's really good i you i normally talk about being excited at 17 right 18 oh my gosh Normally, that means you have a higher arm angle. You, he doesn't actually. It's like pretty, but it's like above average at one. Uh, we'll take that with that vert. And the extension's 6.4. Like, it's okay. It could be a little bit better. Also comes in at 96. So, like, overall, it's pretty much like, okay, somewhat average things, and then what elite thing, and then also another elite thing with the velocity, right? It only had a 10.6% swing strike rate. And Taj Bradley's fastball got crushed for a 48% ICR. And this is one of the times when PLV really differs from the results. Like our hit luck for a four-seamer, and I recognize that for sweepers, we are messing up our hit luck stuff. We don't mess it up for four-seamers. Plus 16, the hitter performance, which is a really fun stat, which Prima says, what are the results of this pitch? It's pretty much your P-Val, which is saying like, okay, based on everything that's going on, like what? Do we we expect this result of this pitch? And then we got something different. And so we give it a positive or a negative. Um, if it's positive, that's bad for a pitcher because it's a hit performance. It was a 19. And like, no, that is so absurdly high. I uh, like normally I see like a bad luck fastball is supposed to be like a four. It's like a 19. So what I think is something about our understanding of either the stuff the attributes of this or the the release of it maybe he's tipping it or maybe it's just kind of too much in the zone and random and everything else is so bad that they know it's coming every time i don't know there's something else about this that is making this four seamer easier to hit than we like and you're absolutely right the command for taj bradley i watch him it's maddening because there are these times when the curveball looks great and other times he makes mistakes with it uh the cutter can be there but then he can just lose batters sometimes and it's like well never mind here it is in the middle of the play okay bye-bye and 43 percent icr there uh the curveball was a 40 percent icr i don't think we're going to get to a point that taj bradley is going to be i don't know out of the woods that we feel like we can just start him and everything's okay mm-hmm. and that's why he's down here i also recognize that was the first year of a guy maybe there's a tweak and bam there he goes straight to the moon so i wrestled with him and mitch keller in particular because with mitch keller it's like this weird part of like hey um your fastball your four seamer is pretty much like a dead zone like this is really easy to hit this is the most ideal grooved fastball for guys to hit unfortunately like it can sneak by 15% swing strike rate and all that kind of stuff, but 41% ICR. His mistake rate on this 
over 13%. Oh no. That, that, oh no. <laughs> we don't want that. When he executes it, that's great. And it can be deceiving with a cutter and the sinker in there too. But that's bad. So I go back and forth on uh, on Mitch Keller because we know that there are those moments that he can just be a command artist. I watched, I, I was really a disbeliever on Mitch Keller. And then I watched his every single pitch of that start against Baltimore. We had 13 strikeouts and in seven innings. And that was glorious. Mm-hmm. Like he deserved it all. The cutter is big for me with, with Mitch Keller because it was a new yeah. pitch for him. It looked it was good in the first half of the year and he looked great in the first half yeah. of the year and the cutter totally fell apart in the second half. Mm. Um, and then I think that, as you mentioned, like puts a lot more onus on the four seam and um, I think the cutter really helped the sweeper play up a little bit more. And so then the cutter not being effective impacted the slider a little yeah. bit. So all these things. And then this is where we talk about again, pitchers with new pitches, like it's a little bit of the Joe Ryan Right, Joe Ryan with a splitter looks great in the first half of the season. The splitter falls apart in the second half of the season. Joe Ryan falls apart in the second half of the season. Where it's like the splitter, the cutter was new for Mitch Keller. It worked great at the beginning. He lost his feel for it. Now we assume he has another offseason where he's continued getting comfortable with it. And maybe he doesn't lose it um, in 2024. And so maybe he doesn't take that step back so maybe the step forward for keller is just not a step backwards right because mm. we have seen him improve year over year recently it hasn't been like this consistent oh my god mitch keller is great which we thought we were getting in the first half of the year when it was like oh my god maybe this is happening um and so maybe the next step forward for mitch keller is just not going backwards um, and, and I think that that is worth, that's worth something. Um, well, I have him a little yeah. higher than you. I have him in kind of like that Emmett Sheehan, like DL hall range, which I guess the DL, I mean, that's it's the I same tier for me. Yeah. It's the same tier. I have Mitch Keller 63rd, mm. but you know, that tier for me, I think is just slightly above the, the tier. Yeah. You have like some separation you, but, here inside of mine. Yeah. Yeah, but um, um, but I think we we both understand there's some upside here. Um, I'm I'm probably willing to take a gamble on him. Um, yeah, I'm willing to take a gamble on him pretty high in in most formats too. Yeah. Um, he only I don't know how many wins he's going to get too. Um, they could be feisty. He got 13 last year. I I understand. I make the argument a lot about like. Hitters, uh, pitchers on the best pitchers on bad teams generally still get double digit wins and stuff because if they're good enough, they're going to still get it. It's not like they're going to score zero runs every time. So I call Ring is going to go double every time. And I think their lineup is better this year than it was last year. Yeah, generally, you see the younger, the young teams who do poorly one year offensively generally get better the second year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm I'm kind of pushing back against it myself right now. 13 wins. Um, I can see myself, I mean, at the very least, I should have him over Taj Bradley. Uh, I can absolutely get behind that. I uh, yeah, it's just I don't. I think the fastball is just so bad, and I, I don't really think the sinker is that great either. Like against lefties, he throws that thing seven percent of the time for like a near twenty percent mistake rate. It's like yeah, sinkers are not good against them. <laughs> don't do this. I mean, obviously we oh. hate sinkers in general, so we're gonna have a higher mistake rate. But 
Yeah. Also, I just looked at the rest of the Pirates rotation just to see. And oh, no. Woof. It's oh Martin Perez, Marco Gonzalez, and then what? Luis L. Ortiz and Bailey Falter? That is, that is exactly it. Bailey Falter. You know why I really should just be saying uh, Paul Skeens and uh, Jared Jones, right? Well, I mean, at some point, it's going to be, um, you know, J- Jackson Wolf. Um, yeah, you know, he, that's yeah. why he's, my, he's a C tier for me. But yeah. I actually have the, I, I think I shared it with people online uh, on the Discord and PL Plus and PL Pro, my actual spreadsheet I used. It's like, I think I said has job and then if job and then I have has job sad. <laughs> if job sad, you know? <laughs> I like Those it. The tiers if, inside the top 400 guys. And then there's like A the tier point, prospect, it, B tier, C tier, D tier. Yeah. yeah. It cuts to the point, but it makes sense. Uh, if Rocky's job sad. sad. If, if draft, if draft sad. <laughs> um, yeah. So we've got two left quickly. Yeah, go for it. Um, AJ Puck, we actually already talked about. I probably should have him closer to DL Hall, honestly. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Like, I don't really see what the major difference is. Um, maybe it's a clearer path for I think it's a clearer path for DL Hall. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor Rogers, we have no idea. What's up, buddy? Trevor Rogers is a little bit of like that Alec Manoa for me, where like we've seen a level where we're like, oh, that was really good. Um Trevor Rogers has more years of not hitting that level. He has two years of injuries and poor performance whereas Manoa was just one bad year but yeah um, and then yeah. also I, I should say about Puck is you need something against right-handers that's not your sweeper uh, and that's I'm curious if that will turn into the changeup. Um, but then you have Manoa who's just like what the heck why not guys sure you know just just why not okay it's at the end of your drafts like just if it's bad then you get rid of it but they're certainly going to want Alec Manoa to be starting you know and they've said actually as much and people are like yeah okay sure it's like well why wouldn't why wouldn't they want right right they would want him to win the job because he was a cy young candidate not that long ago and also because like ricky tiedemann is probably not going to be able to throw more than like 80 innings this year 90 innings yeah so yeah, they want that, huh? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I mean, yeah, but but you know, remember when I ranked when I had Tiedemann in like the nineties or when I said I'd mm-hmm. like him at the end of drafts, it was because it's like if he breaks camp in the rotation, I'll figure out what happens. Oh yeah. When he doesn't. Absolutely. Um, and I still feel that way. I mean, I think it is still a battle between him and Manoa in spring training. Mm-hmm. I think they want Manoa to take that job. Um and you know there's so many question marks. It's was it the pitch clock? Why did he fall apart? What are these weird cryptic, but also like vague stories about him battling some arm issue, arm issue, and also getting some injections when he was at like extended spring training at the end of the year to battle the arm issue. It's like, I don't know what's happening, but I know that they apparently claim he's had a great off season. He's coming to the camp as the fifth starter. And so I will operate under that assumption until I see it. And I think even ranking him 80 is saying it's not the Manoa we know because if it's the Manoa yeah, we know that's in 2022, like you're drafting him much yeah. higher. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just take a chance, see what happens. That's all. Uh, and as we continue to go with these ranks, uh, you guys will see that it's not all like great after this anyway. You know, right. it starts to fall 
a bit. I mean, the next one is is Deep League Toby stuff. And then after that, even like, sure, I, I found some fun things. Don't get me wrong. I will find fun. That is my my game. Okay. But tier 12 is which is the next real ceiling guy is like the possible spring pickups and some old guys. Like that's what that one's called. Okay. So what the heck? Try out some Manoa, you know? Why not? Take a chance. See what happens. It's a good life philosophy. Yeah. Well, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Just be smart. Yeah. Be smart. <laughs> yeah take smart chances. See what happens. Yeah, right. There you go. Um, well, that's our that's our words of wisdom for today. Um, I'm Eric Smolsky, the Pelican. I'm Nick Pollock, the Lion. I'm going to go buy some nice socks. <laughs>